This is Rebecca from South Sudan. In this part of the interview, she's explaining what a typical day looks like for her. When I get up in the morning, I wash my face and do the same for my siblings, she says. She goes ahead and explains how she sweeps the compound and sits her younger siblings down in the shade before she prepares porridge for them, washes clothes, cleans the utensils, pounds millet and cooks in the afternoon, walks to the borehole to fetch water, and afterwards prepares her siblings for bed. Rebecca, it's 10. What draws me the most to Rebecca is her smile and happy face. Throughout the interview, she'll talk about some of the challenges she faces, about how she hasn't been able to go to school due to the ongoing conflict and hunger, and how her school serves as a displacement camp or temporary shelter for families fleeing from or displaced as a result of the conflict, making learning difficult. She says it all with this smile on her face, almost as if she either doesn't comprehend the gravity of it all, or worse, she's resided herself to the fact that this is her life. My name is Yves Lenomboye, and you're listening to the Human Interest Podcast. Back in 2010-2011, during my stint as a reporter with a local Kenyan TV station, I spent weeks in South Sudan covering the referendum process. Voting closes officially today in Southern Sudan after what was a week-long process. A first of its kind that saw citizens there choose between unity with or separation from the north. The decision to separate won the day in January 2011, and months later, in July 2011, South Sudan got its independence. South Sudan has always been closest to my heart. It was my first assignment outside Kenya, the first country I ever visited in which, to date, I stayed the longest. I must have been there cumulatively for about three months, if not longer, actually. And the excitement of this youngest nation was palpable. People were excited for a fresh start and what the future held for the world's youngest nation. This country will be one of the amazing countries where investors will flock in like nobody's business. And the world hoped that this new nation would finally know peace, freedom, social justice and democracy. Here's Rebecca again. In the 10 years she's been alive, she has known no peace and no freedom, just like her own country, which almost immediately descended into a devastating civil war that killed hundreds of thousands of people, forced millions from their homes and plunged parts of the country into hunger. Although a peace treaty was signed in 2018, the current peace is extremely fragile and the country suffers from conflict, underdevelopment and extreme poverty. Our state has terrible things, Rebecca was just saying. The community fighting within themselves, intercommunal violence and floods, which hinders daily school attendance. The school is not in good condition, she continues to say. The fence is down and people use schools as a refuge when there is intercommunal violence. 
Rebecca had stayed away from school for over a year owing to the global pandemic and had been excited to finally return to school. But school no longer serves Rebecca as a learning institution. Two point four million children in South Sudan share Rebecca's story. Yes, the pandemic did contribute largely to this, but the concern in South Sudan now is with a prolonged food crisis and continued conflict, many girls who already face enormous barriers to accessing and remaining in school may be forced by these external factors to permanently drop out of education. Hi, I'm the country director, Plan International. My name is George Otim. George recently I'd met like young girls in Pibor County, South Sudan, during one of his work visits. Pibor is one of the areas where severe food insecurity and conflict continues to affect vulnerable families and especially girls. While I was in Pibor, the family told us that this year has been the worst period of hunger in the living memory. This year is the most severe period of hunger in living memory. One in three people are hungry in South Sudan because they either can only afford one meal a day or none at all. Women and children are acutely malnourished and the situation is only worsening. However, despite this problem, uh, girls ask positive attitude. Interesting, though, that George was able to make the same observations regarding the positive attitudes of the children we spoke to. And being positive girls are optimistic here, but they're also worried, scared even. Saraha, who is also 10 years old, says she wants to become a doctor when she finishes school, but is worried she may never complete school due to the ongoing conflict and hunger scared of the alternative. In a country where 50% of girls are already married before their 18th birthday, adolescent girls in South Sudan say they are more likely to be married at a young age if their families are struggling financially. Rebecca says what largely makes girls not finish school is hunger. Girls are forced to get married at a younger age to save the family from hunger. And, and a situation like this is likely to continue uh, to deteriorate uh, without it being, being, being reversed in the near future. Without urgent action, there is real risk that we will see devastating level of anger and possibly famine, setting back the little progress that we have made so far in tackling gender inequality and then also tackling early first child marriages and then also addressing gender-based violence plus sexual exploitation and unwanted pregnancy among girls and youth in South Sudan. So what needs to be done? George spotlights two key asks. One, that over and above urgently getting food, water and health services to communities throughout South Sudan, we should also look into ways to ensure children and especially girls are protected. And second, that we cannot wait until the famine alarm is sounded, because by then, for many, it may be too late. We should all together look into the ways of protecting girls and ensure that their future are not destroyed by putting uh, girls and adolescent challenges in the center of our response so that their, so that their needs are not uh, recognized and not ignored. Uh, humanitarian funding must also be forward-looking to preempt uh, the disaster situation rather than responding to already worsening situation. Waiting for declaration of an emergency situation like famine may be too late 
uh, for some of the farmers, some have already uh, have already suffered. This is South Sudan, ten years on. I'm Evelyn Mumbui, and you've been listening to the Human Interest Podcast. 